1: Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are uh, looking at a topic that I just feel like I want to re-clarify. It's about chatting to God. And... What we do if we have kids who aren't particularly chatty. (laughs) Uh, I think sometimes, uh, well, I don't want to go into it, but what do we do? How do we enable our kids to authentically communicate with God if they aren't chatty kids? uh, How do we help them chat? So uh, we're going to look at that. We're going to be uh, looking at the question of, is it disrespectful to God to go to Zoom church in your pajamas. Excellent question that came in from a uh, listening family, and uh, we are listening to a dad panel, a panel of dads talking about uh, Joseph and Joseph and the um, the the Joseph that was the sort of on Earth father of Jesus, tasked with raising him uh, on Earth. What did these dads learn, reflect on, think about spiritual parenting when they're looking at uh, Joseph in scripture? And then uh, to round it all off, obviously, we will uh, answer a question to start an interesting conversation with your family. So. To get started, uh, we wanted to talk about this chatting to God thing. Now, if you know Parenting for Faith, we talk about chatting to God quite a lot because uh, we ended up using that term because we wanted to get away from making our kids feel like they needed to perform prayer and move them to a more informal, authentic way that they express themselves to God. Uh, Whether that's through chatting, whether that's through Whatever their pattern of communication is, we wanted them to feel authentic in it. So they didn't feel like they had to jump through the hoops of formula and performance and just find their voice with God. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to yawn. Anyone else suffering from a little lack of sleep? Uh, So uh, I was running a Parenting for Faith course recently online, and this question came up, and I thought it was really important to come back and circle around because it can be really easy to narrow the idea of helping our kids chat to God to purely using a lot of words at God. And our kids are more varied than that. Some of our kids are not very verbal kids who process their emotions you know, out loud with a lot of words. Some of our kids are very non-chatty. Some of our chatty kids go through th- seasons of just sort of feeling out of verbal communication. And that's okay too. We all do. We all go through ups and downs of life where we feel like we have a lot of words to communicate. And sometimes we've got none. And some of us have children who struggle with their words. And so I just wanted to talk about what does chat look like in a in a broader sense? Because chat was never meant to say kids need to use specific verbal words to talk to God. It's always been about helping children find their authentic voice with God, their authentic communication. So if you have a non-chatty kid, or actually if you just have a kid, and it's really important to let them know that there may be seasons where they don't feel very chatty, and that's okay too, that doesn't hamper their communication with God. So here's a couple of things to think about uh, in a way of expanding the idea of chatting to God to be beyond just words, but into them settling and finding their authentic voice with him. Um, One, I would just really encourage you to know that chatting to God, their communication with God will look like them. If you have kids who, I don't know why I'm yawning so much. If I stop every time I yawn, it's going to be bad. You're just going to have to stick with me. Uh, chatting to God will look like your kid. And if your kid is has so many words that they just overwhelm you with their thousands of words, then they're probably going to feel comfortable chatting to God in that. But if you have a kid who is a much more contemplative, you know, quiet kid, that's okay, too. What we're looking for is helping our child communicate in their authentic personality way with God. And therefore, it will depend on their personality. It will depend on their age It will depend on their friend patterns. You know, you can sort of look at how they communicate with their friends or with you and think, okay, this is their just pattern of communication with their relationships. How can I help it look like that for their relationship with God? So swing away from performance to that sort of personal thing. And I think sometimes what can happen is when we, when we focus on praying out loud, um, particularly in a corporate environment, it's a different skill. Praying out loud in a corporate environment almost becomes a leadership skill rather than a personal, hidden, heart-to-heart communication with God, because it's for a different a, a per- different purpose. We're bringing our hearts together to communicate to God rather than just what's dripping out of mine. And so, you know, we really are looking for a chat that reflects your child's personality, friendships, age. And so you might just want to take a step back in looking at how your kid chats uh, how your child communicates to everybody else and think, is, is this what their relationship with God looks like? Whether it's a teenager, whether it's a kid, um, no matter how old they are, have I equipped my kid to feel that however they communicate is beautiful and they can do that with God. Um that's you know number 1. Number 2, I think it's really important that we create a quality for nonverbal sharing to God. Um Are we modeling in our own lives that there are times where we don't have words? You know, I often tell stories about how the time I was just so upset I had no words and I just cried at God or I was just upset. So I just said, come on, God, let's go for a walk. And I didn't talk to him at all. And we just went for a walk around the block because I just needed to go for a walk and I wanted to do it with God. Are we creating equality in our in the windows that we create into our own lives, in the stories we tell, in the framing that we, we, we create to say, you know, oh, I just love that I was talking to my friend and he goes for a cycle ride with God and he says he doesn't talk to him at all, but he just likes being with God in nature. I thought that was cool. Are we framing for them? Are we saying there's an absolute equality in how you open hearted communicate with God? and making space for that in how we create windows, how we frame, how we expose our kids to those who are less verbal, um, for those who who have different personality shapes that look like them or look very different to them to let our chatty kids know that there's an alternative way so that when they feel that, they can access that. Are we giving them the breath? Are we talking about emotions? Are we talking about being still? There are so many times in my life where I've, I have needed, to, I had no words. And I just had to sit and be still and trust that God could search my heart. Do we share stories of, of kids who just know and are sure in the companionship of God? I know many kids who, when I would say, what, is, what does life with God look like for you? They say, I don't talk to him very much, but we spend the day together. He's sort of with me and I just know that he's there. So if I wanted to talk with him, I could, but most of the time he's just sort of is with me and gives me what I need without me even needing it. Well, that's fantastic. I don't need you to be like, you really should chat to God more. For those kids, the, the companionship is what is powerful. That The constant open access to God, that if I needed him, he's already there, was what enabled them. So they maybe chatted to God once every three days for a sentence at school. But he was always there when they wanted it. And that's how they talk to their friends. Anyways, are we helping them know, you know, I was just showing this picture to God, or I was I was remembering this. And I was talking to God about this. I was just saying, Hey, God, look at this memory. That was really cool. This sense of, of a history shared together that you can show. I know some teenagers who are saying, you know, we don't chat very much, but I often play music to God, or play music with God, because that's the music that I'm feeling right now. And I I just want to sit and listen to music with God and say, that's what I'm feeling. I love that. That's great. There's a sense of availability of God to all of our communications, whether it's a lot or a little, that that we can say it's equal. However, your heart wants to communicate with God. Feel free. There is no barriers. That's the whole point of chat. And so whether it's, you know... Really looking and saying, how does chat look like my kid? Or saying, you know, it's really important that we are proactively creating a quality of nonverbal sharing to God that creates space for our kids to spread their wings and and find themselves in that place. And, you know, experiment with those things um, to feel affirmed in that. And the third thing I think we can do to help with this is to also create space for nonverbal communication. Often when we do things in silence, we then feel the pressure of the silence and think, oh no, it's quiet, it's awkward, and we want to move on. And actually owning those moments and to say, let's make space for nonverbal communication. And so whether it's uh, you saying, right, I'm going to leave you for 10 minutes to catch up with God, however you want to, to just hang out with God and do whatever, feel free to chat or feel free to just hang out with God, do whatever you want. That can be really helpful. I had a story of a parent who said that her kid would say, okay. And then she would say, hi, God, let me read to you. And then she would read to him (laughs) from her storybook, which is great. I I knew another parent who said that often uh, during the summer, her and her teenagers would just, like, go out and, like, just go sit in the middle of a field and be quiet because they were just, like, a quiet family. And uh, But they would, like, just say, you know, come and come, let's go for a picnic with God. And they'd go and they'd talk and they'd laugh and they'd just do their family thing. But eventually they'd end up just sitting and eating quietly, just, like, enjoying nature and looking at things. And uh, her teenagers were saying that they love that and that was, like, their time with God. And they felt like they didn't say anything. They just more like breathed and God like read their hearts like a book, they said. And I loved that idea. And those teenagers eventually said that that's what they would do sometimes at school as they would go and sit on a bench somewhere and just sit in peace and quiet and let God read their hearts. And I thought that was a really interesting way of doing it. This creating space for nonverbal, deliberate communication to ask questions like, you know, what does life with God look like for you? in this next couple of months or what does it look like for you now and to normalize that it's okay to say i'm not using a lot of words but i'm i'm liking playing music or something and to have those conversations so it's not just are you praying but to create space for those conversations i know some families just put on worship music in the background to just create that atmosphere of worship so that your heart can come alongside it and say yes to it without feeling like you needed to make something formalized in prayer chat is only a very imperfect word for helping our kids find their authentic expression to God. And that's that's the journey. So if you have a non-chatty kid, there's always ways of helping them take their next step. And if you have a chatty kid who just needs permission to not have to all the time, that's important too. So I just encourage you to do that. Expand the idea of chatting to God in your next season. And I hope you keep yawning with me.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna yawn
3: again. Oh, man. I need more sleep.
1: question for today uh, I'm taking from a parenting for faith session I ran online I, I loved the question when it came in I thought it's quite relevant to many of us at home still doing Zoom church uh, and as we begin to transition back into live church it's a it's a live topic so the question is this my husband thinks it's disrespectful to God when my son wears PJs to church on Zoom how would you get around this <laughs> Which to me implies that the asker has a differing view. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting question because I think so much of our church behavior uh, is habit and is deeply ingrained in us according to really uh, powerful internal values and internal ways of connecting with God. And sometimes it comes out in specific behavioral choices. So, you know, whether or not we dress up for church seems like a fairly straightforward thing. Like, I want you to dress up for church. It's respectful to God. Let's do it. But I think however, whatever you decide to land on, I think what this does is open up a really interesting conversation that can actually create a really powerful parenting for faith moment, because I think it would be great to have a conversation about the deeper values that are underneath this, which is that your husband deeply wants to respect God and wants your children to have that sense of honor and respect towards God. And I find that interesting. And I would love to to facilitate your view of that and your husband's view of that and your kid's view of that in a conversation. For instance, what does it mean to respect God? What does, does God ask for it? Is that something that's about our positioning of our hearts? Uh, what does it mean and how does it work out in in your life besides what you wear? What does it work out in other ways? Um, Before you get to the behavior boundary to talk about, you know, to you, why is dressing up respectful to God? Um, How does it affect you as a person in your connection with God at church? Uh, How does it affect your approach to church? How does it affect other people? Um, And why do we respect God? And does God care about clothes? And why do you choose to do what you do? And why does your husband choose to do what he does? And what do you as a family want to do so that you can come uh, to church with, with having thought through this together? And whatever you choose, it's really worth having this deep values discussion about it, because often we we haven't had it. And that means whatever behavior you land on, your kid will see it as part of the wider understanding of who God is, of how we engage with him, of how we work across people who have differing opinions, and how we navigate and finding our place with God in that, and our choices, as well as just being part of a family and deciding you know what your parents have decided to do, you do. So I would suggest you have this value conversation, and to be open and willing to say, wherever we end up with it, I think it's a really good question mark, because because this isn't the only time we're going to we're going to hit this question. So enjoy having a really good conversation, ask the questions, create windows into your life. Talk about your thought processes of what you think and how it affects you. I know some people talk about clothing being a distraction or it enables them to feel more relaxed, therefore they disengage and they become more um receiving, you know, like they're just consuming what is being on and maybe that's what's behind it. I would be so interesting, on what, uh, interested to hear what's going on behind the behavior so that you as a family can really explore an interesting question together. So... It's, it's a non-answer. It's have a deep conversation about the value underneath it answer uh, and see where you end up. Uh, you, you never know. You might get turned on around on it. Your husband might get turned around on it. Your kid might be turned around on it. You and your husband might be like, no, PJs is the right way. And your kid's like, I disagree. I think we should get dressed up. Who knows? But have this beautiful conversation about the values of it underneath. For our wild card today, we have some friends at an organization called Color and Shape, and they had a great Bunch of dads come together to talk about spiritual parenting and how St. Joseph inspires them as spiritual dads. And we thought it was a really great piece. So we asked them if they'd be willing to let us share. And they said yes. So we are going to go to the dads of color and shape as they uh, discuss this. And uh, just we just found it really in- intriguing and encouraging. And I just wanted to encourage you with it.
0: So welcome. Uh, this is uh, an informal discussion. Uh, it is not a podcast. It's not the start of something great. Well, hopefully it will be. Um, but the point is it's a one-off. Um, uh, we all know each other. What we're going to do today is, uh, is just um, a bit of a discussion about what it means to be um, a Christian father, uh, talk about Saint Joseph, uh, and um hopefully have a little fun, not be too boring along the way. So um Introductions first of all. So my name's uh, Matt. Uh, I have uh, three young children. John, everyone knows you, but go on, introduce yourself. Again. Hello,
4: I am John of Colour and Shape fame. <laughs> I have <laughs> two small children, uh, six
0: and five. Jim, you're next.
3: Hello, Hi, hello. Uh, I'm Jip. Uh, I've got uh, a nine-year-old girl, uh, a five-year-old boy and a five-month-old girl.
2: And then I've got three young children, uh, three girls, a uh, six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a an eighteen-month-old. Um, so thought. Well, yeah, I was just trying to remember <laughs> what she was. So we've got birthdays coming up, so they're about to change. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm getting ready for it. I'm getting ready for the next, for the
4: next year, <laughs> like winding your watch forward.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you've got to be prepared for these things. I have some questions on my uh, my trusty iphone um so look, first up saint was, that, joseph, product they, placement? was that product placement do you get commission?
4: other phones are available
0: yeah <laughs> other phones other phones are available um so saint joseph um uh, the feast day for saint joseph um in the catholic church is the 19th of march and it is coming up 150 years of St. Joseph being a, a universal a patron of the Universal Church. Um, the, the question that I have, I mean, I had a visitor asking you guys this and I suddenly realised today I was going to answer it myself first. Um, what do you find inspiring or challenging about St. Joseph? And I think for me, the big problem I have with St. Joseph is he doesn't say anything, <laughs> so I find it quite hard to relate to him. But, you know, I think um, since becoming a father and, you know, Dealing with everything that, that comes along with that. I think actually sometimes it's great not to be saying anything. Sometimes things are marvelous when you don't say anything. So it's so amazing. message I took. Just be quiet. Don't yeah. say anything. Was it you say it best when you say nothing at all?
3: As in I never don't had that think
0: that often. was St. Joseph. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he hears uh, God through dreams and um, takes action to protect his family. Uh, he is faithful and you know, kind-hearted and doesn't bend to the um i guess to the norms and the customs of the day so he, he had the opportunity to um to divorce mary but you know it says in the, in, in the gospel you know to spare her shame and, um and the publicity you know um decided to do things slightly differently so um i found i find that i find that quite um quite neat and also you know in a way the silence is also quite neat it's he, he's kind of that figure of strength there in the background that doesn't get talked to up but is, is nonetheless essential in, in Jesus's life.
3: You end that it's, it's really dangerous. It's a bit like God himself. You can fill in blanks if you're not careful. You can kind of make him whoever you want him to be. Um, and there's always that danger thing with with God. Like oh I think God probably means this. But there, there is something I think in that there is that uh action speak louder than words I think. Um and I think that's really true as Having been fathered, and as a father, you think you've kind of got to walk the walk a little bit sometimes. Um, And that's kind of more important than talk the talk sometimes. Yeah, so I I, I think I take from that sometimes you've got to just uh, be kind, shut up, and just get on with things. And that's not a bad way of doing life, really. I
2: think, think, Matt, you probably gave a pretty pretty good synopsis of, uh, of a lot of the things that that, um, that inspire me about St. Joseph, uh, but I think probably um, particularly his fidelity, and um, so the fact, you know, in the face of potential um, controversy, um, in the face of difficulty, um, you know, he re- he, he's open and he's listening and um, to the voice and the promptings of God, the way that God speaks through his dreams, He's happy to. He holds lightly onto his plans, and in that sense, you get that. You have that impression. He doesn't say it, but so like danger of filling in the blanks. But you know, if if somebody is willing through and um, through an angel appearing in their dream to to change life significant life decisions, then that says to me that's a, you know he's a man of humility. I think it, I think the scriptures just describe him as a just man. Um, yeah, and that's the. Yeah, and I think you see that coming through you know the fidelity the standing by um, the continuing to to walk and take on this I mean this extraordinary mission um, of raising the Son of God um, which he which he would have been active in doing a you know, Jewish father was there was essential in the family and um, and played a key role and you know, it's always dangerous to judge parents by how their children come out unless they're good in which case I'm quite happy to be judged by my children coming out well um, but yeah but, but you look at you look at Jesus and wow I mean okay fair enough he didn't have original sin so in that sense Saint Joseph did have an advantage over all of us <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's the side I mean yeah amazing guy amazing amazing image of, of a father and I think it's um, somebody sent me something recently. It was a quote from uh, Josemira Scriver, where he talks about, um, I think he says something along the lines of you know, the, greatest, um, the greatest male saint in the church wasn't a priest. He wasn't a bishop. He wasn't a pope. He wasn't a religious. And um, he was a father and a worker. And that's St. Joseph. And so, you know, so that's why he's such a great, great model for for dads throughout the world.
4: I guess the image I I quite like of Saint Joseph is one that's kind of often depicted in icons in that you have the sort of central Mary and Jesus and Saint Joseph is sort of there slightly in the background, almost sort of with arms extended around them and for me that's kind of the image of the father who sort of steps back and creates space and I quite like that about Saint Joseph's Saint Joseph's silence Saint Joseph's humility he's the kind of the father who create space for this kind of incredible relationship of Jesus and Mary to to kind of take place Um, I guess that's something whenever I see that image we have an icon of it in our house that's something that I find kind of inspiring about about Saint Joseph
3: he's kind of it's achievable you know there's, there's some saints out there that they've done some awesome stuff and you've got to think could I do that at the very least I'm probably not in the same kind of situation the whole martyr thing just isn't a thing that's in my in my life, as far as I can see, and I'd have to go seek it out if I was going for that kind of thing. But you know, the whole <laughs> okay, I can I can do the St Joseph thing. I can do that, um, yeah. and that's that's more than a lot of other people. I'm like, don't know if I'm up to that, but I think you can be St Joseph in a you know, you can follow his lead at the very least.
0: I guess the, yeah. The next question I wanted to ask was, how has your spirituality changed as a result of fatherhood? my memory is getting worse and I'm, I'm just actually struggling to remember what what things were like before I became a father, before I got married. And
4: It's a whole life away, isn't it? That's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's literally another existence, isn't it? Like, yeah.
0: yeah. And I think um, it's, you, 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 the role has expanded. I mean, it, it, it sounds probably quite obvious when you, you say that a lot, but the, the, the role has, the role expands, you know, you, your, I guess, who you're called to love and how you're called to love and, um prayer as well like the things that you need to pray for and the things you need to think about that there's i guess it's almost like you know there's been a whole a whole nother set of rooms or you know another big room has been unlocked that actually that's now there's, there's a whole lot of things in there that you have to think about and um and and consider um but it's it's also a privilege right like um uh, so i've I've got a, come from a little bit of a charismatic background and, um, and I, yeah, it's, it's, it's great just to be able to pray into the kids future and to, to pray for the, you yeah, know, a great relationship with Jesus and his angels and saints and, um, to pray for their future friendships and their, um, and their, um, you know, their, their future decisions. And, and that's, um, that's quite nice. I mean, I, I can't, I, yeah, obviously the results won't come out <laughs> anytime soon. Um, but that's that's a prayer you can kind of you drop in the prayer bucket for them or you drop it in the pool for them and, and just keep filling that that pool up for them so that that's quite neat um
4: when i think about the kind of impact fatherhood's made on my spirituality one the first thing that kind of comes to mind is um discernment so when you're you're discerning things prior to having a family it's very you centered <laughs> what does god want me to do where does he want me to go etc cetera, etc cetera. Whereas when you're discerning now with kind of wife and children, the knock on effects of any decisions you make are vast, aren't they? Like the not the knock on effects you have to consider of right, if I, you know, if I think God is calling me to change job, you know, XYZ, the the people that decision now affects is, is is very, very different. So I think that kind of image of Saint Joseph fleeing to Egypt, you know, all you know, number of things in the early life of Jesus the 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 courage that those kind of decisions make uh, would have taken to make are are, are huge aren't they
3: I don't know if there's something in the male psyche or maybe just me but (laughs) I think women have that nine months of preparation I think women get their heads into the headspace often a little bit sooner into the right we're gonna have family you're gonna settle down and um, and they have nine months of. It's not that we're not aware of what's going on, but it's not in your every thinking, waking moment. And so there is this. There's a little bit of a, uh, a train crash of like, oh my goodness! Suddenly, I'm a father. Now. Um, it does kind of kind of hit you pretty suddenly. You know, I, I had a few clues what was going to happen, that, uh, <laughs> but then it's like, oh my goodness! And then there's this slight rushing round. Once once you got your head around the first couple of weeks or months or whatever there's this rushing around of like not rushing around but um thinking now I need to have the answers because i got to set up I've got to set up the routines and everything that I grew up with um and have some of the answers just for myself so that I can pass them on and and there's this kind of sudden I've, I need to have worked some of this stuff out I mean you've got a bit of time you don't get lots of deep questions for the first couple of years. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's that's the thing that's changed. Is it gives this urgency of, you know, it, it's fine, obviously, not to have the answer to everything. You're not going to have the answer to everything. But to just put you in a different frame. Um, and I, I can't exactly put my finger on when it happened. Um, when is it that I changed from thinking I, I kind of... Not I have answers to things, but I know I'm I'm in the position of I should have answers to things, at least. That's kind of like being a teacher a little bit as well, isn't it? You you know, you kind of get used to those first few lessons you do. You think, I I don't know, I never really understood this when I was going through it. And now you're supposed to give the answer to the kids. And that kind of changes. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I guess that's the biggest thing that's changed, is it? Yeah, that, that responsibility
2: a couple of things that changed I mean yes to everything that everyone said and um, I think the first thing that, that I really that I found very difficult was um because because I've been quite shaped it uh, by Benedictine spirituality and so actually having a regular pattern and a rhythm of prayer and mm-hmm. and that rhythm and pattern of prayer was basically entirely up to me to to keep like if I if I went to bed late and lay in then that, that would throw my pattern out, but okay, I could choose not to. And then suddenly, once children arrive and then you're up at all times of the night, um, our little one didn't, our first one didn't really sleep for the first six months. So um, you know, sometimes surviving, going, going to work on two to three hours, sleep the previous night. Um, uh, and, and so I just suddenly, and so suddenly all of my, all of my routines just got completely obliterated um and yeah you know, and trying to trying to hold on to onto that if you like that flight path of of a, of a pattern of prayer and keeping that going um you know, and so even now it's I spend 99% of the time off that flight path <laughs> <laughs> and I know that that's what I want <laughs> and I know that that's what I need and that's what I'm you know I'm kind of wired I've I've become the pattern um, that I've developed yeah but I just don't have the I don't have the luxury of being able to spend half an hour every single day even though that's what I'm trying to do but having you know, even half an hour every day and um, just yeah. praying, praying properly um, but but in terms of my actual in session for the children um, and also for my wife um, one of the things I do is every night before when I go to bed um, I'll actually just go into their room and just be praying for them um, as they sleep um, and praying for their future and yeah if there's something that's happened in that day that I know they found difficult um, or or anything like that then I'll pray specifically um, for them for that that it won't impact them in a negative way or pray for their protection yeah and as you were saying that praying for their futures as well. And always, and always, just trying to do that with a with a listening heart. So again, perhaps you know, learning from St Joseph, the and mm. um, listen and wait for the inspiration, in order to then go. Okay, this is how I need to pray for <clears throat> this daughter this evening. And also, I think the other thing that's changed is I had the luxury previously of sitting in a room on my own to pray. <laughs> <laughs> now. Even if I'm getting up, even if I somehow manage to get up before everybody else, one of our daughters is, a, is an early riser. And by an early riser, I mean an early riser. Um, and so no matter what time I get up, she will inevitably come in uh, yeah, when I'm trying to pray. And so, and so it's, it's quite interesting, though, because then, because she sees me doing it. Um, she'll, sometimes she'll just come and sit. Sometimes it'll be, "Daddy, can you read me a book? Can you read me a book? Can you read me a book? Can you? Can we do this? Can we go down?" Okay. Well, you know, Lord, you created her, so I obviously you don't spend time with you today. I need to spend time with her, um, or spend time with you through her. Although I've no, I haven't worked that one out yet. Um, but what's happened is now now sometimes she just says, "Oh, I'm just going to go and have some prayer time," and just kind of takes her off to the little prayer space we've got in our room, and. Um, yeah, so it's just interesting seeing that. Oh, okay, yeah, you're you're seeing it modelled. Um, mm. you, you don't really know what I'm doing because I'm just sitting there in silence. But but you're trying to you're trying to imitate it. Um, and it was it was a thing that that my wife said last night. She we were, we were laughing about the fact that uh, children are hardwired to imitate us, to imitate parents in both the good and also unfortunately the bad. Yeah. And you see that when you know when you've got those moments of where things blow up a bit or you really don't model good behavior. And then a day or two later, they're doing it to their sister and you're going, yeah, I know where that came from, <laughs> <laughs> epic fail. I bet St. Joseph didn't do that. <laughs> so yeah, so there's, been, there's been so many changes, um, but that's the, yeah, that was the thing that first came to mind with the, with the question.
0: Right, last question then we're gonna, and then we're gonna finish. Um, uh, what do fathers need? what do Christian fathers need? Um, and I'm not going to go first because uh, I can't think of anything. Um, John, I can, I'm look, I can see you next to my picture. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pick on you. What do fathers need?
4: What do fathers need? I think fathers need, that's a hard question to answer, isn't it? I mean, in, in a way, you could write an endless list, couldn't you? I think fathers need, I think like Ben was saying earlier, I think fathers need to, carve out space for that relationship of prayer to form i think as a as a kind of you won't like we were saying earlier when you're sort of single or, or newly married or whatever you can just find the time to pray or whatever as a father you really have as a a, a work of will have to work in that time of prayer mm. um so i think fathers need to prioritize prayer um, above all things, almost.
0: Oh, it really resonates with me. Um, Not
4: absolutely. something I achieve regularly, but <laughs> try and desire to.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Jim, I can see you next. Go on. Okay.
3: okay. Uh, part of the masculinity thing that would be saying, I don't need anything. Okay, just leave me alone. I'll, I've got this. I'll cope. Um,
4: yeah.
3: And so would need sort of that slightly the space to be a father um just the 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 support of others um is a big thing i think just to go okay let's let's just try this let's go with it We're going to try a new idea in night prayer let's see how that goes um and and it's great i feel like i've got that there is that like that old joke of um what was the miracle of Jesus? It was having twelve good friends in his thirties. Yeah. There is that, I think, when, when you're a father and you got kids, that you it's it's not lonely. There's a lot of company around. Um, but yeah, I think you you can easily lose the feeling of having lots of other people just to bounce an idea around. You know, you're bouncing 10 nonsense ideas and and one good one um, with a bunch of friends at the ah. pub because you got the time you can do that. Um, and you, you sort of you lose that. The time isn't there to do that. And the, this isn't just fathers. I'm sure this is mothers as well. I should really say that. Um, <laughs> probably more so for mothers. So, uh, but they've always been. I think women are often better at communicating, and they see other people, and you know they they'll turn up in a new area. Emily's great at this. Um, you know, we, we'll move to a new area, and I, I'm the extrovert. I'll go out and talk to anyone I can, and I know five years later, you know, I'll go to the pub and three people might remember me if I tell them my name. Um, And Emily will actually come out with some great friends after five years. So so women are so good at doing this, at bonding and just accepting each other. And I think it's it's harder for guys to do. I think it's harder for fathers to do. I think you're just aware that you've got this responsibility. Um, And, you know, it's fine. It's a good responsibility to have. It's a great responsibility. So what do we need is, um, yeah, it is that time for prayer that time for reflection um and uh, that kind of the, a little bit of a space just to go and be yourself in the context just go take some time and sometimes that's in prayer. sometimes that's just being with some other people that kind of get it um yeah i
2: think actually i'd probably echo what what both of you said um what the fathers need um need prayer need that need other New friendship with other dads um, who, are, who are in a similar state who you know who, who are going through similar things so that you can you can talk and you can communicate and because being a father is different from being a mother so there's only so much you can talk about um with your wife and only so much um that you can relate to to each other in, in that respect um i think I think one of the things that's been really, really useful as well is one of these one of these parenting books that we were reading years ago, and said that the most important relationship um, in your child's life um, is the relationship between their father and mother. I think that's a re- that was a really great principle that we took and, and really held on to. And um, so understanding that, if you know my relationship with Katie is good and so if I if I stop investing in my relationship with Katie for the sake of the relationship with my children actually I'm doing my children a disservice um, and so recognizing the primacy of that relationship over the relationship with children and I think this is naturally more challenging for mothers than it is for fathers um, to, to, to actually keep things in that order um, just from conversations that I've had with you know, with friends yeah and so I think that just that just then creates a stability in the home and which then makes makes everything else easier at least in theory
3: <laughs>
2: yeah I'm not sure that them. anything is easy but then but then this isn't meant to be easy this
0: is meant to be making us holy saint makers mm, yeah. is that what they're called there isn't really a lot that I can I could answer I think I think um I think there's a there's an aspect of humility which uh, I, I, I think I think fatherhood you can kind of come into fatherhood with some really odd ideas. I know I certainly did, and I, I had to unlearn a few things myself. And um, um, and it can actually be it can be a, a bit oppressive. I think and, until you get under the skin of it, I think it can be quite oppressive having to measure up to to God the Father. And and I think. Sometimes we just need to cut ourselves a break and it is, it is difficult, um, but look, you know, yeah, that personal relationship with Jesus is so important. The prayer time, the humility, carving out time for yourself, you know, that support network, the relationship with, um, with your wife or partner. Um, do you think
3: that St. Joseph had everything that we just said we need? Do you think St. Joseph
0: had it? what, what was, what's St. Joseph like with his mates? I guess, I guess, you know, it, at least in 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 Israel, you know, in that time, you probably, if you went off to eat for a couple of years and then you came back again, everyone would probably still be there, and they'd be like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, we kept a place empty for you." We when they uh,
4: when they lost Jesus at the in the temple, they were traveling as a in a in a the scriptures as a caravan, as in yes. a long collection. So their assumption was Jesus was with extended family whatever that looked like so presumably there were lots of networks of relationships yeah intrinsic to Jewish society
0: once again thank you very much uh great conversation um and would like to very much like to do it again sometime um perhaps not with the, re- the pressure of the recording but um, um uh, uh thanks very much um and we'll see you on the app
1: And a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid is this, who in the Bible do you think you would have wanted to choose to be your parent? With the caveat that it can't be Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit because, you know, all of the theological reasons, but who in the Bible do you think you would have chosen to say that person would have been really fun to have as a parent? Have an interesting conversation.